Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. I'm your host, SK Vaughn. This is a community of women supporting women. Every other Thursday, tune in to hear from ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. So buckle up, girlfriend. Let's do this. Rebecca Smith is the Vice President of Talent Acquisition at MGM Resorts International. She has worked for MGM Resorts for 14 years and has been in human resources for over 20 years. Her experience includes labor and employee relations, employee engagement, talent acquisition, talent management, organizational effectiveness, and learning and development. She has a master's degree in international organizational psychology with a dual specialization in leadership coaching from Capella University and holds a senior certification in human resources from both the Human Resources Certification Institute and the Society for Human Resources Management. Rebecca is also a proud U.S. Air Force veteran. I'd like to also point out that Becky was the first person that gave me my start in the corporate world of um, gaming industry. And so Becky holds a special place in my heart and I'm so excited that she's joining us today on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, every episode always kick things off with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And so while you're thinking through that, I will kick us off first. How am I surviving this week? Great question. I think just surviving in this busy season as we're getting ready for the holidays, it's like fast approaching. I feel like it's already here. So in the marketing world, um, it's a pretty busy time. So just trying to get things done and, and finish out strong for the year end. Um, and then how am I thriving this week? Well, I'm just really encouraged and excited to have some family time this weekend. I'm headed to Nashville um, for a christening for my nieces. And so it'll be really sweet and nice just to have some family time and, and do a little traveling. So looking forward to that. How, how about you, Becky? Ah, well, I'm surviving um, in the realm of, of staying active. Um, I, I committed that I was going to start to do um, hot works cycling. Um, and it's like at 130 degrees in a sauna. Um, and so one, one of my commitments was that I was going to do it every day and I've been doing it, um, but just surviving. <laughs> I hear that. And how are you thriving? Um, thriving, I would say, you know, I'm on, I think day seven of a new role. Um, and it's really my, my dream job, my passion job. Um, and so it's been a really, really great week and a half of just really getting to know the team and learning a, a little bit more about, you know, the, the processes and the operations and stuff. I'm loving that. That's great to hear. And congratulations on your recent promotion. Thank you. All right. So we'll just dive in. Tell us all about you. Like what makes up Becky? Like, tell us your story. Sure. Well, I am um, raised in Southern California. Um, 
I lived in the same house um, with the same phone number for 18 years. Um, and so my entire childhood is, is related to that experience in Southern California. Um, I am, was a, I'm an Air Force veteran, so I joined the Air Force when I was little over 18 um, after my first semester of college and worked as an aircraft maintenance analyst and um, spent four years in the military. And then um, really, you know, I got out and, and fell into human resources. And so I've been doing that for the last 20 years. Um, I work for Jim Resorts, which is an incredible company. I've been with uh, them for 14 years. Uh, and I am a mom. Uh, so I'm a mom of five. I have four boys and one very spoiled little girl uh, and I'm a grandmother of one. Wow. They keep you busy, I'm sure. They keep me very busy. <laughs> I love that. Um, speaking about the Air Force, thank you for your service. You know, how has that impacted who you are today? Oh, um, you know, I, I was in the Air Force for a short time for four years, but I would say that it has drastically impacted my entire career um, and really probably my, my, even me personally from a values perspective. Um, you know, in, in the Air Force, you are trusted at a very young age and empowered to really be a leader. Uh, you're, you're given huge levels of responsibility. Um, for me, yeah, I was an aircraft maintenance analyst. So I was analyzing maintenance work and making determinations on how reliable a multi-million dollar aircraft was that had lives in it. Um, and those decisions and the, the work that I was doing had major potential impact. Um, and so in the Air Force, you know, you're trained well, you're given you know, leadership skills, you're given very clear instructions and, and training that allows you to be empowered to make those types of decisions to support the mission. Um, and so I think I've taken all of that with me and through my entire career um, and really have that philosophy is how I approach work now. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned that, you know, you are a mother, you, you work full time, you're also working out these days. How do you balance and juggle it all? Well, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm doing it very well, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's a partnership. Um, my, my family knows that, you know, I work hard and I, I put in long hours for them, you know, for the betterment of our family as a whole. Um, and in the time that I have with them on the weekends, like I'm super focused on it being their time. So we are out and about all the time going skating and going hiking together and doing things like that. So I really kind of try to compartmentalize work. When I'm at work, it's got my full attention and I'm giving 110% there. But then when I have that downtime with my family, they're my, my focus. Um, and so it, it's a balance, balancing act that sometimes, you know, a ball is dropped here or there, but uh, I think it's just about setting boundaries and priorities. Get excited. We have a giveaway this holiday season. So starting Thanksgiving all the way until Christmas, we will be giving away coffee. Um, so Starbucks coffee gift card to every person who rates, reviews, and subscribes us on Apple Podcasts. So feel free to rate, review, and subscribe and win your very own coffee on me 
during the holiday season, starting Thanksgiving all the way until Christmas. Have a wonderful day and thank you for listening. And switching gears a little bit, when you think about authenticity within the workplace, we've talked about this before previously, you know, what pops into your mind when you think about authenticity? Um, I think being authentic at work is one of the most important um, things that can happen in order to drive performance. I think you know, when you can be your true self at work, you're going to perform at a much higher level because um, you you get to let go of all that other stuff, you know. And so you know, it's it's really just about being able to come to work, be yourself, unapologetically. Um, and, and with that comes a lot of confidence. And when you have confidence, you know, you're able to do better work. It's almost like when you're going um, to a job interview and you're wearing a, a super amazing suit, um, you're going to feel better about yourself. You're probably going to show up a little bit better in that interview because you feel, you're feeling good. Um, I think authenticity is the same way. I think it's you being able to truly be comfortable in your skin and be you without any of the extra baggage. Um, and, and that's really freedom. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. And, and thinking about others in the workplace. So you yourself are a leader within your team. How do you effectively make space for others to feel like they can show up and be their authentic selves in the workplace? Um, I think it has to be very intentional. And, you know, I will actually share with you, you know, some experiences I've had with leaders who have allowed me to come to work and be authentic um, and how they've made space for me. I've um, had my last two leaders did really, really well in that space um, and for very different reasons. Um, one, um, you know, he was about as opposite as me as you can be. Um, you know, I am a mom, I am biracial, a woman. Um, he was a white male um, from a different country as I came from, so literal polar opposite. Um, but he really, really, really made an intentional effort to get to know Becky, not Becky by title, not the person who reported to him as an employee, but truly see me for who I am, for all of the extra lenses that come with me. So, um, and that was especially important at a time, you know, with over the last couple of years, there've been some really unfortunate incidents in reference to um, police shootings and, and just race relations in the country. And, um, you know, as, as a woman of color at work, it at times was exhausting. Um, and I would, you know, worried about my sons and, and had all of these things going on in my head. And he would check in on me after incidents and say, how are you feeling? And, and or he would say, you know, tell me about what it feels like to be you today and, and talk to me about this these things and have these probing questions and then would ask me, what do I need to do in order to, you know, support that? And how can I, how can I make things better? And how can I, you know, help be an ally for you? Um, and that relationship allowed me to really be just myself and comfortable at work and not feel like I needed to, you know, shut things off when I got to work. I could be vulnerable and, and, what I found is that I performed at the highest level as I have a highest level I've ever performed in my career. 
Um, and it was truly because I was in this safe space where I felt supported and seen. Um, and so I, I had a similar experience with my last leader, um, who was a woman, much more similar to me, um, but she led and created the safe space um, for me to be authentic just by being vulnerable herself and being authentic herself. Like she she epitomized you know, authenticity uh, and really you know, allowed herself to connect with me um, in a way that I knew that, again, I could be safe at work, I could be myself at work, and that my opinions were valued. And um, I think that's what it takes. It's, it's making someone feel psychologically safe and, and seen for who they are. Yeah, that's powerful. And I feel like that's, that's the key there. I feel like that's effective leadership when you can create that safe space where people can come to work with, with their best foot forward. And then even on days where you're not your absolute best, still having people that recognize that and can, I feel like lean in, in a way and, and lead you in, in creative ways through good days and bad days. And so I think that's, that's a huge win that you've seen others be able to do that for you. One thing I heard you mention, and I think it's an interesting concept, is this idea of vulnerability and professionalism and still being able to have both, but finding that balance, because I feel like as professionals in the workplace, you know, vulnerability has been kind of a hot topic lately, but I feel like in the past, it's been kind of hush, hush, like don't be too much, be careful how you say things. And and coming from an HR background, I'm sure you're well-versed in this. But what is kind of that um, sweet spot between being too vulnerable and still coming to work very professional? Um, I think it goes back to that point of authenticity. If you're being vulnerable, but from a place of authenticity, I think that it's okay. I think that um, you, know, you can, you know, and, and it's, it's probably very discretionary. You know, some people might say crying at work is unprofessional, whereas in other cases, you know, I think that crying is, is again, an, an, a way to, to be vulnerable and it's showing of emotion um, and it's a real authentic feeling. And so if, if the relationship is one where you're being true to yourself and you're sharing with someone else something um, that is true authentically you, I think that it's hard for it not to be professional. So I think to balance that, it's just about being upfront and transparent and honest about why you're being vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. A common kind of buzzword out there is this idea of executive presence. You yourself being an executive, what are your immediate thoughts when you think of someone having executive presence? Um, I actually, when I hear that word, I kind of get a little guarded because I w- immediately want to ask additional questions because um, I think that the interpretation of executive presence changes from person to person. And so for me, it's important to ask some additional questions to try to understand what exactly that means. Because um, I do think that those words are used a lot right now and they can be really ambiguous. Um, and sometimes they can lead to bias in, in that ultimately can impact somebody's ability to be authentic at work. Um, so my initial reaction is to ask, ask more questions and try to, try to get that person to define what executive presence means on a deeper level. 
Yeah. And for our listeners, you know, from your, from your perspective and your opinion, what is executive presence? Um, so for me, I would describe it almost, you know, in the military, we called it command presence. And that was that, you know, that presence that's felt when a senior officer walks into the room without looking at their rank, you could almost feel it uh, just by their strength and poise in the room. Um, so I think it's similar um, when you talk about executive presence, it, it shows up in things like communication and the confidence level, um, emotional intelligence. I think from a behavior perspective, um, it's playing an active role in conversations, being thoughtful, um, but really driving that conversation, encouraging healthy conflict, uh, encouraging innovative thought. It shows up from a behavior perspective um, in making decisions quickly and being able to be agile and take action. Uh, I think it's about self-awareness and uh, being able to pause in the moment and not react and calibrate yourself based on whatever your strengths um, or opportunity areas might be and make sure you're refocusing. Uh, and then I think it's about being authentic and comfortable in your skin so that you can perform your highest level. Uh, I think when you have all of those together, you have that executive presence and that's what it feels like um, when you walk into the room. Yeah, definitely. And what are some common misconceptions about this idea of executive presence? I feel like you've mentioned a few, but I'd love to kind of dive deeper into that. Sure. Uh, I think that some people can confuse it with things that can be very superficial, like how you look or how you dress. Or um, again, like we talked about earlier, like your view of professionalism, what's a, what's a okay way to act in the workplace. Um, and all of that is super, super ambiguous. And it's, and it's changes based off of the person's lens. Um, and that's where I, I get worried about, you know, bias, because, you know, if somebody's perception of executive presence is that you show up and you look or act a certain way, I think that's dangerous because um, then it, it, it potentially can impact your, your ability to be authentic at work. But so I think that's a misconception. It's not about how you look or act in that way superficially. I think it's really on a way deeper level. It's about how you can make decisions in those behaviors. You mentioned earlier a little bit about having courageous conversations, being willing to accept um, tough feedback. What suggestions do you have or tips that you can provide that would our listeners might be interested in learning a little bit more about in terms of being able to give and receive um, tough feedback? Um, I think it's important to set the stage. And, you know, when someone's hearing feedback that, you know, is uncomfortable for them, sometimes that person can start to hear it and shut down. Um, and sometimes the person giving the feedback sometimes can be so focused on giving the feedback that they forget um, the empathy part of it and, and to, you know, just be very clear about what's being said. So I think, you know, really setting about having a foundational conversation up front that we're going to be having a feedback conversation. And this might be a little bit uncomfortable to hear, but this is why I'm giving it to you. You know, when someone understands the why that, you know, at the end of the day, that the feedback is a gift, like I'm giving this to you because I want you to be able to improve. 
And this is how these behaviors are potentially negatively impacting you. And I don't want to see that, you know, as a person connecting with you, I want what's best for you too. So I, I'm doing this from an, as an act of respect and care, not from a negative place. And I think if you set the tone for that up front, it really helps to give to, for the receiver to hear it. Um, and then at the end to do a check-in and say, now that you, I've given you that feedback, how are you feeling? Because then if they're not feeling like they're in a safe space or it feels they're, they're pro they've processed it, you can ensure that that happens before you end the conversation. And I think as a receiver, it's just about knowing that all feedback is a gift. You know, it may not, all feedback isn't right. And, and someone may not understand your intent, but it is still a gift because now you know what others are thinking or how you're, how you may be perceived by, by people. And so it's an opportunity for you to correct if, if you find it appropriate and, and important for whatever the situation is. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because you can ask a lot of people that I work with, like I, I love feedback. I ask for it way too often probably because I like to know where I stand with certain projects or people or situations. And so I think it's really important to be able to lean on people. Maybe I think the boss is more of like the harder conversation, but even having like truth tellers or just mentors in your life that can kind of point out sometimes the obvious, it's not so obvious to ourselves. Um, how do you go about finding mentors or truth tellers? How have you experienced that in your career? Um, well, I like, I always have multiple mentors. Um, and so I look for some based on, you know, my career field. So if I want someone to be that mentor for me from a knowledge-based perspective, in some cases, I'm looking for someone that does something or has a strength that I don't have. And so it could be something in a completely unrelated field of, of work, but just because I want to learn from their behaviors and I want them to influence me in that, that strength area that they have. Um, and then from a truth teller perspective, I think you, I think you, you find those people and that, you know, can be anybody. It could be someone in your family. It could be, you know, someone who works for you. It's just someone who is comfortable having those conversations. Uh, and I think those people are easy to find, um, but then it's tapping into them and saying, this is what I need from you. Like, I'd like to have an agreement up front that you are my truth teller. And so um, give it to me, give it to me straight. Uh, but I seek them out and, and I tend to have multiple at one time because I think it's important. Yeah, no, that's great. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self, your 20-something self, and your 30-something self? Um, I think I'd give, I wouldn't give any advice to my 16-year-old self because um, I think, I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and that you learn from it and everything, and it makes you stronger. And so I wouldn't change anything that I did. So I don't know that I'd give any advice to myself at 16. I think I want my, I would want me to continue to make the, the challenging and awkward decisions that I made. Um, but it, at 21, I would probably have said, 
to enjoy the ride a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I've always been really, really goal focused. And so I reach a goal and then I'm off to the next. And, I, and, and that's good. Like, it's great to be ambitious and it's helped me to get to where I am today. But I've never, I'm never satisfied. And so I don't think that I learned until I was in my 30s um, that it's okay to, to enjoy the process, right? I, yes, I'm still reaching goals and I'm still being ambitious, but along the way, I should be having fun with it. Um, and I don't think I learned that until I was in my 30s. And then I guess my 30-year-old self, I would just say, um, it'd be more about being a mom. Yeah, I had my children young. I got married while I was in the Air Force um, at 20 and had my first son. And you know, that was hard, you know, to go to school and be, and to work and um, juggle being a mom. And so I've had a lot of, of mom guilt. And I think that all moms probably have this guilt where I always felt like I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't spending enough time. Um, and I, and I carried that for a while. Um, but if you ask my, you know, now, adult children I mean they're like we had a great childhood and you you know it was because of you but I, I carried you know I've always felt guilty about the amount of time I spent at work and, and going to school um, and so I would tell myself that it's okay you know they know kids are smart they're aware of why you're doing it and honestly I think that they appreciate me more because they saw how hard I worked um, and so you know there was no reason for me to feel guilty. Yeah. What was the motivation to going back and getting your undergrad and then going further and getting your master's? Like, what was the motivation there? Um, for the undergrad, I wanted to just finish it. So I did, you know, when I joined, when I graduated from high school, I went to college and I was going to school. I had two jobs. I was really insistent on living on my own, even though I absolutely could have stayed with my parents. Um, but I, I wanted to be on my own and it was, that's hard, you know, to pay bills and go to school and, and, you know, carry, have a part-time job. And so when I joined the Air Force, it was a great opportunity for me because they were, they were going to pay for me to go to school. Uh, I would have a dorm, there's a cafeteria for me to eat. Uh, so it was, it was awesome. But, um, then I got married and I, I had my first son and school kind of got back burned a little bit. And so it was one of those things that was just, I always wanted to finish. I felt like I, I, it was a goal. And like I said earlier, I was like, I need to get it done. So it took me a lot longer than four years. I feel like I was in college for my undergrad for my entire twenties um, and early thirties. It, it was probably the longest college career ever, um, but I finished. And then afterwards, I thought, well, I'm done and now I want my master's. And at that point, it was a little more motivated from a career perspective. I knew that I had reached the level that I was going to reach um, with my bachelor's degree. And then if I got a master's, that it would really differentiate me in my, in my industry. And so that really, at that point, was what motivated me there. Yeah, definitely. When you look back on your entire life, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, that the work that I did made a difference. Um, that it helped people 
that I, um, you know, just made a difference in someone's life, whether it was helping them find their dream job, um, whether it was mentoring them. Um, I think I think that's what's important to me from a career perspective. And then from a personal perspective, I think it's my, my kids, you know, that I've raised very well-functioning, great humans. Um, and so I think, I think they're my legacy. Yeah. Now my next question is probably my favorite question of all, because I always ask it because everyone has a different answer and there's not a right or wrong one, but how do you define success for yourself? Um, I think success is doing something that you love, um, while making an impact. So you can have titles and you can have, um, money, but if it's not what you love and you're not passionate about it, if you're not coming to work and knowing that you're making that impact and difference, I don't know that that's success. Um, so I think that's how I would define it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate your time, but before we head, it's now time for the leading ladies we love rapid fire game. Get excited. Yay. So basically I'm going to shout out a couple of different adjectives and I want you to share some love and uh, mention someone in your life that is, is living out these adjectives and it could be a colleague. It could be a sister. It could be a friend. It could be um, someone you aspire to be one day. So are you ready? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So the first word is authentic. That would be Ann Hop. Um, she's the president at Bellagio um, and is one of the most authentic people I know. Uh, she says what she feels and she loves hard and cares and um, is passionate and, and is authentic every day. Next word is powerhouse. Um, I would say powerhouse is Tamaya Watts, um, and you know Tamaya. You know, she she was an intern with you when you first started at MGM Resort, um, and I think that she is from the day that she you know graduated and joined the MGM Resort team. She has always had a focus. Um, she's had really, really, really clear goals, almost like a checklist. And she has just checked those goals off of her list literally year by year. Um, So I I think she's definitely a powerhouse. And and I can't wait to see what she does in the future. Yeah, I have to agree. Love to Maya. (laughs) Next word is thought leader. Hmm. Um, I would say... Katie um, um she is an author um, and thought leader. She is a phenomenal speaker um, and she is always one step ahead of every trend. Um, she is absolutely a subject matter expert on branding, on personal branding and how um, to empower teams. Um, and she's got the most, the best energy. Um, and so she inspires me every day. All right, next adjective is hardworking. I would say my, all the working moms out there. I think, I think it's moms in general. They're all hardworking and, and come to work and get you know, tired and exhausted and still go home and take care of, take care of the kids and their families. And so I would shout out all of them. 
All right. And last but not least, the word strategic. Hmm. I will I will shout out you, SK. Um, I think that you've been strategic literally since the day that I met you, also as an intern. Um, you also always had a plan and um, had a very strategic focus on making a positive difference for whether it was for young professionals or whether for, you know, women now. Um, just, you know, making the world a better place. And, and you've always had that strategic lens. Um, looking forward. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Becky, to jump on the podcast. I feel like we've learned so much just in talking with you and working with you over the years. But before we go, can you please share your shameless plug? Sure. Um, they can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn profile is Rebecca Smith. Uh, and my shameless plug would be, you know, please, reach out to me if you'd like a career in an awesome company. Uh, my current role and vice president of talent acquisition for MGM Resorts. And I've worked here for 14 years and would can see myself being here another 14 years because it's just so great of a company. And so if you're looking for an opportunity with a company where that you can make a career with, um, look me up, I'm happy to talk about our roles. Well, thank you so much. And Becky, it's been so much fun getting to talk with you and hear from you. And I know this is just the beginning of bigger and better things for you and checking off more goals. So thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. I just wanted to take a moment to pause and reflect on all the things that we're grateful for during this season. It is the season um, that reminds us of what's important in life. And I just wanted to pause and say happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.